Hey everyone, and welcome to the First Church Williamsport podcast. I'm Mitch, and each week, Pastor Janet and myself will be talking more in depth about the message from Sunday morning, asking some tough questions, and then setting aside time to focus on God during the week. So thank you so much for joining us. We are really going to be digging into Romans. We're doing that as a whole church in a whole variety of ways. I know a lot of you are doing the devotional as part of your life group or individually. And then, of course, we are focusing on Romans on Sunday mornings. And this podcast is just an opportunity for us to have one more touch point uh, because Romans just has so much. There's just so much for us to, to glean from it. We could spend the entire year going through Romans. As it is, we're going to go through two chapters a week and then even within a week we're going to focus only on a short passage and so today we're going to continue the conversation that pastor matt started about romans chapter one and we're going to really zero in on verses 14 to 17 and just to kind of keep us all on the same page and remind us what those words are i wanted to share those words with you this is romans chapter one verses 14 to 17. i am obligated both to greeks and non-greeks both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So we thought it would be good before we got into the topic of power, which is what we talked about on Sunday, we thought it'd be good to set the stage with talking about why we titled this Exploring a Masterpiece. So Janet, first question for you is why is this considered a masterpiece? Why did we decide to call this Exploring a Masterpiece? Yeah, well, on Sunday, Pastor Matt shared, you know, what a masterpiece is. And the basic definition is that it is a work of outstanding artistry, skill, or workmanship. What we discover with masterpieces is that they are relatively rare or scarce. It doesn't happen every single day. Everything is not a masterpiece. And the other thing that's notable about masterpieces is that they are timeless. When we think of Romans, like if we go back all the way to St. Augustine, who lived in the 400s, Romans transformed his life. And the same was true for Martin Luther, who lived in the 1500s, and then John Wesley, who lived in the 1700s. And then today, N.T. Wright, who is one of the foremost New Testament scholars, he says that Romans is an alpine peak that is breathtaking. There is something that is absolutely timeless about Romans. And I I love the way that Martin Luther describes it as the more it is handled, the more precious it becomes comes. And he said that because Romans really, truly changed his life. Right. And as I was preparing for our conversation today, I came across this quote from Martin Martin Luther about Romans, where he says, night and day I pondered until I grasped the truth that the righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy, he justifies us by faith. Therefore, I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. This passage of Paul became to me a gateway into heaven. 
Yeah, and it's just exciting to me how we now have that opportunity to walk through that gateway as we're studying and digging into Romans together. Right. Well, I will most likely share a little bit more about my story, my personal testimony at some point throughout these podcast episodes. Uh, But the very first Bible study that I was a part of after I gave my life to Christ was actually Romans. Mm. And it was just such a powerful experience for me. And so I'll look forward to sharing a little bit more. And I'll look forward to hearing that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the the next question I had was setting the context. We know that when we're studying scripture, it's really, really, really important for us to understand the context in which it was written. So next question is, can you tell us a little bit more about the context that we're finding ourselves at this point? Yeah, so uh, Romans is unusual in that he's writing. To, Paul is writing to a church that he didn't found. Um, he yearns to go to visit them, and he is writing. And there's a whole variety of reasons why he's writing Romans, but one of the key ones is that he is seeking to foster unity among this divided church. And there are some very particular reasons <laughs> why this church is divided. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the things that I came across when uh, when preparing again, preparing for today, was there was the, the emperor at the time in Rome was Roman Emperor Claudius. And there was a five-year time period where Emperor Claudius exiled the Jewish Christians in Rome. And, and what that did was obviously there, the Gentile Christians remained, but the Jewish Christians left. And five years later, they were allowed to come back. And once they came back, they came back to a very different church, different expression of the Christian faith than what they were accustomed to. And it started to lead. I didn't know that until researching this. So hopefully for those of you listening, if you didn't know that, check it out. Uh, And it's really helpful in setting the stage for why Paul was really seeking to unify the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians in the book of Romans. Absolutely. Yeah. And it does help us to understand why he's talking so much about Jew versus Gentile in Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Right. So continuing on, uh, I know that there's a little bit about just the geography and uh, what was really powerful about this this impact in the gospel impact in the Roman Empire. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so Pastor Matt in this sermon mentioned about the power of the gospel. I think that that message of the power of the gospel would have just been so relevant to the Roman Christians, both Jew and Gentile. Um, when you look at the, if you, I've never been to Rome. But um, I know that the Tiber River flows basically through the city. And so any river is prone to flooding at times. And so those people who lived along the river tended to be the poorest people because that was a dangerous place to live because your house could get flooded. Um, Archaeological evidence shows that most of the Christians were living along the river. And so they were poorer people. The other thing that's um, uh, notable about the geography of Rome is you may have heard about the seven hills of Rome. They're kind of famous, you know. Uh, And so if you were a rich person, you would live on one of those hills because that was a much safer place to live. In fact, Caesar had one of those hills all to himself. And so imagine that you are a Roman Christian. You're living in this um, poverty area that is relatively dangerous. And every day you're looking up and you're seeing these hills 
where the rich and powerful people live. Mm -hmm. And so you felt powerless because you just had that in front of you all the time. And so this message of Paul that you are not powerless, that the greatest power in the world is available to you would have just been like mind-blowing mm-hmm. to the Roman Christians. That actually reminds me. So I was fortunate enough to go to Argentina for for a time and driving on the highway, you would be able to see just a box city. So just homelessness. And in, in the same uh, perspective, you'd be able to, you'd see this big, big, big mountain or, or hill that had all of the wealthy people. It's very similar to what you're describing. Yeah. It was just this very stark difference that existed in the very same eyesight. Absolutely. I think the other thing is that we are, we think about the church in Rome Mm -hmm. and, you know, so much time has passed since Paul has written this letter. And like, I don't know what you think of when you think of the church in Rome, but, you know, it's reasonable to think of the Vatican or St. Peter's Basilica or something like that. And that was nothing at all like what the church was in Rome at that time. It was in people's houses. It was in these tiny little places. Um, It was not a visible and a powerful part of of the community, it was just uh, just woven in. Mm, that is interesting. Well, one of the things that was that I think is really interesting inside of this is just this power of the gospel. And what you were talking about is this message of power that again we were talking about on Sunday, or Pastor Matt was talking about on Sunday, and what that must have felt like this power, this this message of there's power in this gospel to you, to these these people that, as you're sharing, that are, are in a dangerous situation, in poverty, uh, and probably feel very helpless and are unsure what to do. Like, it, it's, it probably strike, struck them very different hearing that message than it would for us hearing this message of power today in the context that we live in, which is very hard for us to wrap our minds around. Do you have any like any thoughts on that? Uh, I think that's an important point because I think whenever we're studying scripture, we want to examine the context in which it was written, but God's word is eternal and it's active and living. And so it's written for us too. And so when I, I mean, we don't live in a powerless situation like the Roman Christians who were under the rule of Caesar. Uh, you know, our situation is very different from that. But I think every one of us experiences powerlessness in some way. Hmm. Like we have these um, interactions or times when we feel powerless. Hmm. Well, one one of the things that really stuck out to me from the sermon was Matt made a statement about, or statements, about how the gospel makes people feel very seen, that allows people to be heard. Uh, it understands or helps people understand that they are truly valued uh, just for who they are, for being God's child, uh, in that they are deeply, deeply loved. It, there, that's towards the end of Matt's message on on Sunday. But the the reason I guess that that was sticking out to me is that relating it to what you were just sharing is that that must have felt like a foreign concept to to so many people. And I, again, I think that is a foreign concept to so many people today. For us to understand, like, how are we truly seen, truly valued, just for who you are? 
uh, not for what you've done, not what you should be doing. The list goes on. Right here, right now, you are truly loved and seen and valued and understood deeper than you could even ever imagine. Uh, so even trying to embody that or make sense of that is it's difficult, but that's the reality of the Christian faith. That's the gospel, right? Yeah, it's a different kind of power, mm. you know, and we could talk a long time about how spiritual power is different from worldly power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think our, you know, people are familiar with Lord Acton's quote about, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. And the exception is the power of God mm. uh, because it's a very different kind of power. Well, one of the questions that I thought might be interesting to talk a little bit more about or a little bit about is is what are some of our reactions, our initial thoughts when we hear the word power, at least in our context? Uh, so for me, when I hear that, you think of, I mean, it's football season. A lot of people uh, are football fans. You think of very strong, powerful people physically in the world, right? Uh, you think of the Serena Williams that can hit the, the tennis ball faster than I could ever imagine, you know, or someone tackling someone. That, that's a form of power. Uh, you think of Wall Street and people making a lot of money and the Bill Gates and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, as that's what power is, right? Uh, and at least that's one form of it. Or I don't know if you have any thoughts on on our conceptualization, our gut reactions as a culture to what power is and what power isn't. Yeah, I think that we think of power as a zero-sum game. And so if you have more power, that means I have less power mm. in our worldly power equation. But that's not how it works in God's in God's equation. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have more power and I can have more power. Mm. That's just like but a certain type of power. It's a different type of power. Right. Right. Yeah. So so I, I guess before we get to what that type of power really is, uh, why is why do you, why is it so easy for us to be drawn towards the wrong type of power? Well, you know, Romans says <laughs> 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 that, you know, we, we are all sinful. I mean, mm. that's our sinful nature, um, to be separated, to, to be competitive, to just be, mm-hmm. you know, to grab at power. Do you, it, one question I guess I have relating back to the hills. Do you feel or do you think, and maybe we don't know the answer, but do you think that, that Christians, uh, Jewish, Gentile Christians alike, were looking up on those hills saying to themselves, that's we should be aspiring to that. Do you think that they were doing the same? That's a really good question. I mean, I can't know. So it's just a guess. <laughs> right. But um, I think the answer to that question is dependent upon how mature they are in their faith. Mm. Uh, because I feel like the more they become Christ-like, the more they're not looking up on that hill, the more they're looking at the cross. Uh, and it's just a question of where are you placing your eyes, but that's that's a that's that's counter to our human nature. That's a work of the Holy Spirit in us. Hmm. That's really good. Well, what are some areas that uh, that may f- make us feel powerless? So going off of your your observations, your comments about powerlessness, uh, what are some ways that we experience powerlessness today? 
Well, I mean, I think we live in a culture where people grab for power. And so there are people who are on the shorter end of the stick with that. Um, and that could be related to your age, either very old or very young. It could be related to your race, being different from the predominant race in your community. It could be related to your gender. Um, and there's just a I think there's a variety of ways in which we experience powerlessness. It could be related to health and having health problems that diminish your physical capacity, and then you begin to feel powerless. And the feelings that that eventually evokes, I know that one of the things that in our pre- our preparation of this, we uh, we were talking a little bit just about social media and one of my beliefs is that that has a part to play in, I think, culturally feeling powerlessness, right? What It might even just not even be just social media, but news outlets, et cetera, et cetera, is that there's a constant narrative. We, we may have heard the, the term doom scrolling, that it's just constant negativity. This is what's wrong in the world. This is what's wrong with you. This is what's wrong with the world. This is wrong, what's wrong with you. And and getting off, you 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 log off or you turn off. And it's do we feel any better? Does it? Are we motivated to change anything or respond? Quite often, at least for me, my, part of my reflection on that is I can oftentimes either feel frustrated or angry or oftentimes powerless. Like I. I'm not even sure how to respond. You know, there is elements of truth. There is a lot going on in this world. There's a lot going on in our community. There's a lot going on in relationships. I, and I'm not sure how to respond. Uh, and so I, I, it's it's a difficult situation to live in, especially as a Christian, trying to figure out what is our responsibility in the midst of that? How do we respond? Do you have any, any insights at all on that? Well, It's not specific to what you've just said, but I think it relates to that is I think that it's helpful when we're when we have a feeling of powerlessness. I think a lot of times it's just kind of generalized. Mm. It's just kind of like, I don't feel good. (laughs) I feel like I don't have control over things or that my voice isn't being heard or whatever it is. I think that it's helpful in those situations to just um, keep. Try not to have a general, try not, try to specify what is it that's causing me to feel powerless right now? Mm. Like what specific area or specific issue am I dealing with that's making me feel powerless? Because I I don't think we can deal with powerlessness in the general. I think we need to deal with it in the specific and the concrete. And then once we begin to identify that area, um, then we need to want to pray about that because God doesn't want us to feel powerless. Mm-hmm. Um, and then look for ways in which uh, God is uh, speaking to us about that. Um, and then I think it also can be really helpful to have an honest conversation with someone that we trust about that area of powerlessness. Because I think sometimes it becomes, we become self-perpetuating uh, mm-hmm of powerlessness. You know, like they're not going to listen to me anyway. Why should I even say anything? And then that causes us to feel even more powerless. And so I feel like an outside voice of someone who really cares about us and knows about knows us can help speak truth and help hold the mirror up so that we can kind of, you know, sit up a little straighter and not contribute to our own sense of powerlessness. Mm, it's really good. One of the things that at least personal impact for me 
thinking about this, and I, I know that you were just speaking a little bit about how you, how this has impacted you and your understanding of taking this and applying it into your life. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like sometimes, I mean, I've had a number of in- interactions recently in which um, I needed to tap the shoulder of a male to speak because I wasn't being heard. Mm. And I believe it was because I was a female, because once a male spoke, um, things started to happen. Um, And so there's a delicate balance between uh, me caving into that all the time and feeling powerless, which I don't want to feel, but also um, recognizing that I need to tap my resources in order to get things done. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of walking a line. And I find that I need to have other people speak into that because I can get inside my head too much Mm. on that. That's really good. Uh, and and I know that that for me, as far as personal application, thinking about how this message of power and even our conversation has challenged me is thinking about or putting myself in that situation of, of I haven't been to Rome either, but looking up on the mountain and and saying to myself, like in my life, do do I still see, power as ascending the mountain and building a giant cathedral uh, for myself. Is that what I'm striving towards in my life? The proverbial, you know, uh, version of that. And if that, and just being honest with myself, where in my life do I feel, am I, am I putting my identity and my, my worth and my value in ascending those mountains rather than being self uh, sacrificial and turning to the cross, as you were saying before, mm-hmm. for and that's that's a challenge of uh, in and to bring that into specifics is to share that with people that I trust, in uh, asking them to pray with me, to hold me accountable, uh, and to walk that journey with me, uh, so that. Uh, you know, iron sharpens iron, and right. and and inviting people into that. So, the, I'm wondering, as for the for you as a listener, I'd be interested for you to take some time and reflect on what does it look like for the power of the gospel to be speaking into your life. Uh, there are these these very broad terms that we use in Christianity of of the Holy Spirit, or as today, like the, the the power of the gospel. And so really taking those big concepts and doing some work with it, bringing it into your own personal context and asking the question, what does this mean in my life? How can, how can and how does the power of the gospel change my every day? Uh, and I'd be interested if you ever want to email me, share your thoughts, or I'm sure Janet, she's yeah, nodding yeah. Uh, a lot here, uh, to, to email either one or both of us. We'd love to hear yeah. about what that means and what that looks like in your life. I think that's really good, Mitch. Yeah. Well, yeah. Janet, would you be uh, willing to pray for our time together? Absolutely. I invite you to pray with me. Gracious God, we just give you thanks for your word. And today we thank you for Romans and for all of the lives that have been transformed by this holy word. God, we open ourselves up to you to be transformed. And as we begin this journey and we focus on the power of the gospel, God, we pray that that power would be real 
for us, that we would live into that power and not the power of this world. And God, that you would be glorified as we do so. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning into this conversation. Uh, Our hosts, again, are me, Mitch Marceau, and Janet Derwachter. Our editor is Katie Conrad. And if you want to hear the full message that we discuss, you can find them on our anchor.fm or YouTube channel. You can learn more about First Church by checking out our website, downloading our app, or following us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at First Church Williamsport. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day.